All right, well, let's get this started. Hey, everybody, well, and uh, welcome to week 10 of Pursuit for Purpose. This is Kirk Cabana, and guys, thank you to everybody who's joined live via the different platforms, and thank you to all that will listen at a different time. You're all appreciated beyond a measure that I can't comprehend. You know, Pursuit for Purpose brings the world's most passionate athletes and coaches together in a collaborative environment to encourage our goals and aspirations. By using the teachings and the principles of the greatest minds before us, we'll give our members the foundations to build the rest of their lives and become champions of character. This week, we'll be discussing ethics and values. Ethics and values are an encompassing term for the foundational pillars that we've discussed to date. I'm excited to explore what these traits mean to our guest today. Your beliefs become your thoughts, and your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values, and your values become your destiny. That's Gandhi. This week, we are joined by Tom Walter, Wake Forest University head baseball coach. Coach Walter is a gem in the game of baseball and a human being that has demonstrated at the highest level what it means to care for the people under your guidance and direction. He is one of seven baseball coaches all time to lead three different D1 baseball programs to the NCAA regional tournament. He's the founder of Get in the Game, an awesome organization that I'm going to let him discuss with us that won the 2021 Stuart Scott Inspire Award. He was recently awarded the 2022 ABCA David Keelitz Ethics and Coaching Award, and one that speaks to his commitment to seeing his players finish the job. The last 10 years, all four-year seniors have graduated on time. I think that's remarkable. And you know, guys, please welcome me and joining Tom Walter. Tom, thank you so much for being with us tonight. And man, I really appreciate it. Definitely. Well, Kirk, it's my pleasure to be here. I don't know that I fit into the greatest minds of baseball category or, or anything category, but uh, but I'm honored to be here. And thanks to everybody who's joining and listening. That's it's uh, my pleasure, and 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 I appreciate you saying that of yourself. But it's your your resume and your character speaks of itself for for what it's worth from my perspective. Um, I really want to start with you know discussing uh, getting the game. You know, I think that's an amazing organization that you've started for yourself, and it comes obviously with a very very un unique background as to how things got going. I know it's something that. Is, is one of the things you're most known for of a high character action that you made, but maybe some of these guys don't know. Uh, Coach Walter donated a kidney to one of his players in need. And uh, if that doesn't speak to, uh, you know, the true character of care for the people that you're around, I, I don't know what else does. So coach, I wanted to give you a chance to please go ahead and tell us a little bit about um, getting the game. Yeah, thanks uh, for asking. So uh, shortly after Memorial Day in the summer of 2020, um, you know, with the explosive events going on around the world, I was like the rest of us baseball guys sitting in my house, you know, trying to fill my day when we were on in shutdown mode uh, with COVID. And um, I was reaching out to all my, my players of color, uh, former players of color at George Washington University of New Orleans, Wake Forest, you know, just to check in on them and their families and see that how they were doing. You know, it's such a tumultuous time and um, in the in the world, and especially for for people of color and especially for for black uh, people of color. And um, one of those calls was to Kevin Jordan, and uh, Kevin and I were just talking about this, that, and the other. I was just checking in on him, make sure he was doing okay, and see if he needed anything or needed an ear to bend or a, or a shoulder to lean on or or a hug. Um, and um, through the course of the conversation, I told him a story that I had never told him before, um, and, I, and I haven't told very many people until recently, but um, when I learned I was a match for Kevin, I, I went to somebody that's, that I'm really close to and, and told that person that I was going to donate my kidney to Kevin, and that person said to me, well, can you do that? And I was like, well, well what do you mean? Um, I don't understand. And he was like, well, isn't Kevin Black? And I was, of course, shocked by that question. Um, and again, you know, upon reflection, it wasn't a malicious, a malicious or a racist question. It was just a not understanding science question. It wasn't like, you know, he's a he's a racist and 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 asked that question out of out of malice. Um, and I, I remember my response very clearly. And I told Kevin this story. 
And the, my response was, well, yeah, my blood and his blood are the same. And that's all that matters. And, you know, as soon as those words were out of my mouth, I, I, I thought to myself, man, that's the message the world needs to hear right now. After Memorial Day and George Floyd, the world needs to see me, old white guy standing next to Kevin, young black guy saying, our blood is the same. And that's all that matters here. And, you know, we're all, you know, the message being we're all in this thing together. And, um, you know, I, I don't understand why we're still having these same conversations about race that we were having 60 years ago when Martin Luther King was on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. It just, you know, to me, it's astonishing. We've come so far in so many other things, you know, LGBTQ rights and things like that have come a long way. And it just seems like in the, in the race conversation, we, we haven't, you know, made any ground. Um, so, you know, and, and I tell my players this all the time, Kirk, it's like, in today's day and age, it's not, it's not good enough um, to, to be sympathetic to a cause and not do anything about it. You can't just be a bystander anymore either. I tell my players, look, you're either, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. There's no like gray area where you can just stand on the sideline and do nothing. So that's, that was the idea for getting the game. I called a friend of mine who's kind of at the intersection of education technology and, and uh, social entrepreneurship she teaches in grad school at the University of Pennsylvania. And I was like, look, I have an idea for a program. I want to get into the schools and tell our story about shared blood. And I want to parlay that into conversations about race and, and have these kids be a little more comfortable in their skin, a little more understanding of who they are, a little more respectful of each other's decision, of, of, of who each other are and the places they come from, you know, have some kindness and some empathy and some dignity and some diversity. And and then I want to get these kids out into their communities, you know, making a difference. You know, I want to educate them first, have them have these conversations. And, and let me be clear, we're not here to tell these kids what to think or how to think. We just want to give them the tools and, and let them make their decision of who they are and what they stand for and what they want to do. But, you know, for me, there's no other life than choosing a life of service over self. And if we can get these kids to better understand who they are and, and what their values are and send them out into the world, you know, to make the world a better place, then you know, that's a win, even if we get one kid to do that. Um, so it's been cool watching this program come together. We've got about a thousand kids in the program right now. Um, and we're, we're growing every day. And it's been, uh, it's been really fun. And as you said, we got the Stuart Scott Inspire Award from, from ESPN recently. We've got a big announcement coming up in a partnership with, with ESPN and Disney. I can't disclose that yet, but it's, it's going to be announced here soon, um, and it's going to be it's going to be a game changer. Um, so we're again pretty excited about it. And Kevin is a full time employee of the organization, um, and is out there. You know, he's the one that's kind of slugging it out, making a difference every day. Tom, uh, I apologize. I got a smile that I can't wipe off my face. I mean, that you you pretty much knocked it out of the park on on one one simple question so far so i'm uh, elated at the rest of our discussion that we get to have but what a, what an organization and what a story what a journey that you've gotten to be on and man that I, I can't imagine what it's like to get to be uh you know guided by you on the baseball field with these guys knowing that you know they're they're being guided as people first as well and you know the rest has kind of no choice but to but to come it, it, uh, it, I'm sure it makes it easy a little bit at different times to go like, Hey uh, guys, you know, what's your excuse? You know, we've, I, I've not that you're using you as any kind of personal thing, but you know, they, they've got a testament to what it means to see the bigger picture standing right in front of them. So as young adults, I'm sure they can easily get distracted, but hopefully the focus gets regained pretty quickly when they get those distractions and can see, start to see the bigger picture. So I'm, I'm going to jump right into some uh, some questions for us. And, you know, one of the first ones being, Tom, how can sports be used to teach ethics and values to its participants? Well, so so many life lessons. I mean, we, we hear it all the time, but sports is a is a microcosm of life. I mean, you're you know, you're every day you're dealing with adversity. You've got tough decisions to make. Um, you know, you you've got to make a decision on a daily in every game. You've got decisions to make about, you know, do I have a team at bat here or do I have a selfish at bat here? You know, little things like that. I love telling one of the stories I love telling the team is an Andrew Luck story. Um, and I'll get a little it's it'll, it'll I'll circle back to the question. But Andrew Luck was playing at Stanford and they were playing the University of Washington and they were coming down the stretch um, in the Heisman race. And he and RG3 were kind of neck and neck. And it was, you know, the ninth or 10th week of the season. And RG3 played earlier in the day. 
um, against somebody and went for like 480 yards and five touchdowns, just had a monster game and took the lead over Andrew Luck. And, and they played Washington on that day and they won like 42 to seven. And, you know, Andrew Luck got pulled in the third quarter and had like one touchdown and, and, um, you know, didn't have a very spectacular statistical game. And he's coming off the field and his coach says to him, he goes, Hey, sorry about the game. And Andrew Luck's like, what are you talking about? And, um, He's like, I had a great game. He goes, we didn't have any offensive penalties. He goes, I got the ball. He goes, I made the right call at the line of scrimmage on every play, got the ball in the right person's hand consistently all day today. We had three rushers go for over 100, 100 yards. He goes, I played my best football game of the year. And I use that story with our guys to say, you know, how many times have, has the team won the game, you know, six to two, you go out to the parking lot, you see your parents and you were 0 for four and your dad says, hey, sorry about the game. You know, and it's like, you know, and, and how many times have you said, what are you talking about? Did you see that ball in the dirt read I got, you know, in the sixth inning and we, and come, came around to score on a pass ball or that play I made in, in left center field to save two runs or that nine pitch at bat I had to knock that pitcher out of the game? You know, I mean, there's a million ways you can help your team win that don't involve getting a hit. And and that story I use as an illustration to teach that. And, and I think, you know, again, to answer your question is, you know, trying to get these guys to understand that the most important thing in the world is how you show up, you know, just, how, you know, being intentional about how you show up each and every day. And we have this little exercise um, that we do with our team that kind of drives this point home, which is, you know, I tell them that everybody on our team fits into one of five categories. You're either a survivor, you're a competitor, you're a contributor, you're a winner, or you're a champion. And then we go about defining those categories and what the differences are. And then we, you know, send the, send the guys out of the room three at a time. And, and we talk as a team about what category this guy's in. And then we pull that guy back in the room and we say, okay, Kirk, you know, what category do you think you in? And Kirk says, oh, I think I'm a winner. And these are the reasons I'm a winner. And this is what I need to do to be a champion. And I'm like, well, you know, that's great that you think that, but your team, you know, they think you're a competitor and this is what you need to do just to be a contributor. And, and again, you know, getting what I told our guys in our exit meetings last year were, you know, you got so many people in your life telling you what you want to hear. You got your parents, your girlfriend, your agent, you got scouts, you got, you know, your friends, your teammates. I said, I need to be the guy that tells you what, what you need to hear. And, and in order to do that, I've got, as I said, in that biomechanical conference, in order to do that, I've got to open your heart so you can hear that message. And, you know, for me, at the end of the day, that's how we use sports. We use sports as, as to teach those little life lessons day in, day out, that they can take with them um, to be great fathers and husbands and employees and employers. And, and again, choose that life of service over self. Building contributors to society. I love it. I mean, genuine people that get to, to leave their, their experience, leave it happy and leave it knowing that they're going into the world ready to make a difference that they've just garnered that brotherhood that you get within sports, the camaraderie that you get to have. And just get to take that experience out into the world just seems like such a such a blessing. And it's got to be a fun experience for yourself to continue to see those those guys grow. And now that you've done that through, you know, a few different universities, uh, I'm I'm I, I'm flabbergasted at just probably the messages that come to you of the experiences that these guys are having and probably the thank yous that are are coming back around full circle. I'm sure that's a I'm sure that's a point of pride to yourself that you wear as a badge of honor. Well, it's incredible seeing these guys grow up. I mean, we've, I've got, uh, got a guy, Danny Ruye, that's getting inducted into the George Washington Athletic Hall of Fame this year. I've had four other players get inducted into that Hall of Fame that I coached at GW. Um, you know, had several big leaguers along the way. You know, these guys are becoming fathers now and they're going out into the world and, and blazing their path. And I, I just love two things. I love that they stay connected with me and, and really with our program. Um, you know, I get parents from University of New Orleans that'll come watch Wake Forest games and George Washington parents, you know, that I've stayed in touch with over the years. But I, but I love that they stay in touch with each other. You know, these guys, you know, they make an effort, they, that bond that they create amongst themselves, that brotherhood. You know, these guys are getting together every single year and you know, taking a golf trip or coming to watch a ball game or, you know, just finding a way to, to get two or three days. You know, that's one of the things I tell all these young players. I'm like, man, make it a habit. You know, you talked about habits in your opening remarks and I thought that was, that was perfect. I love that, that Gandhi saying. And, um, but one of the habits has to be staying connected to those, to your college teammates and your brothers, because, you know, find that time every year, make it a priority because 
it's just too easy to let 10 years of your life go by without doing that stuff. Yeah, absolutely right. It's too easy to just let things go by. In your experiences, how do you deal with and educate your student athletes on, on their shortcomings of their ethical and moral decisions? Well, again, you, you, you never do it in a public fashion. Like I, I very rarely do that publicly. Like if somebody's not playing hard or they're acting selfishly or they're, or they're putting themselves in front of the team, you know, again, you know, I'll very rarely call them out in front of anybody else on that, but I will pull them into my office or pull them aside and have a private one-on-one conversation with them. So first and foremost, I always try to make those conversations as, as, you know, non-confrontational as possible. Um, you know, now, if it persists after that one or two conversations, then then yeah, I, I might I might make an example out of them, um, you know, and you know intentionally. But I, if I do make an example of somebody, I never do it out of anger or out of emotion. It's it's with a reason to 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 drive a message home, and it's not meant to embarrass. It's meant to it's meant to be a teaching moment. Um, you know, the second thing we do, and we just started doing this, and I, Kirk, I love this. I, I would tell all coaches out there that this was one of the greatest changes we ever made. I mean, we start every practice in our team meeting room this year, and we've never done that before. So we get in our team meeting room. And again, not everybody has a team meeting room. Ours is, is amazing. Um, but you could do this out on the field. You could do this anywhere. But um, And we'll take 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and I'll put the practice plan up, and we'll talk about the practice plan and what we're trying to get out of the day. But then I'll show a video, uh, just a little five to you know as many as 10-minute kind of motivational video one day it might be Kobe Bryant or it might be a clip from Miracle or it you know it might be you know who knows I mean it's been obviously we've done it probably a hundred times this year so it's been a hundred different videos but uh, and then use that video to kind of send a, a, a motivational message of the day and sometimes it's just about being intentional of your work sometimes it's just about a commitment to excellence sometimes it's about coming together as a team or or whatever but it's just some message some little message every day. And, and we've got our guys, um, you know, this year using the, the phrase all in, you know, you've got to be all in and in, in all aspects of your life, not just baseball. We know these guys are all in in baseball because they're playing in the ACC and they want to play professional baseball, each and every one of them. So they're all in on baseball, but it's more than that. It's all in on your academics. It's all in on being a human being. It's all in on your nutrition, all in on rest. You know, you've got to, you know, Coach Salento says all the time, how you do anything is how you do everything. You know, you can't be excellent at one part of your life and not be excellent in another. And again, Kirk, that doesn't mean they all get 4.0 GPAs. That's not my point. But they should all be showing up to class and be engaged and be honest and be intentional about what they get out of that class. They should put their cell phones away and take their hats off and, you know, be respectful, make eye contact with professors, participate. You know, those are the things you can control. So, you know, we talk about those things every day. And, and again, it all drives back to that original kind of comment I made, which is it's all about how you show up. And one of the things I'm super proud of with our team is every time we travel, no matter where it is, you know, we were, we took the charter plane to the, to Florida for the super regionals and the stewardess on the charter plane came up to me and she was like, coach, I got to tell you that I've done a, a million college teams. And she's like, and your guys are by far the most polite group I've ever had. And that's what, to me, that's what makes the difference. You know, whether it's a waitress at the restaurant, it's the, the person who checks us in at the hotel. I tell our guys all the time, man, you can tell a lot about a person on, on how they treat the people who, who don't impact their life, right? Those people that, you know, you, you just look at and, you, and, you, and it's so easy to look through and glance past. But if you take two seconds and make eye contact with that person, make that person feel heard and, and feel important and, and, and be grateful for that person, whatever they're doing to help you, I mean, it just goes such a long way. Um, so again, little things like that are, are, are kind of what get me out of bed in the morning. I, I just got to say thank you for not making me feel like a crazy human being, for feeling like those are the more important things that our game needs. You know, it, it's especially when you're we're discussing about, uh, you know, sh sharing a video, um, bringing, bringing guys to the same focal point right before you're starting to go on to a mission. You know, we've actually started doing some of the uh, Alan Jager, uh, you know, mindfulness training and, uh, and, and I've enjoyed, it. I've enjoyed leading it, you know, and, and seeing these guys I've enjoyed where somebody has to step to the side and say, Hey coach, I needed that today, you know, and it, it because we don't know where they're coming from before we get them in that situation. But, you know, more importantly as well too, what you had discussed about being all in in all areas, I feel like a broken record at times, but that's just, 
where all of my focus has been lately is if we're not taking the disciplines we learn in our sport and applying it back to the other important areas of our life, then what is the point that we're learning all of these disciplines in our sport for? You know, it's to engage ourselves back into the other things that maybe we wouldn't be caring as much about if we didn't have this sport to keep us accountable. So coach, I, I, I'm already a big fan of Wake Forest and you're just making me root for you guys too much for sure. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you doing the same with your guys. I mean, again, it's, um, you know, Wake Forest motto is pro humanitate, which is for others. And, you know, again, that that life is that mission is something we take very, very seriously here. And our guys, our guys thrive at it. They walk that walk. I'm so proud of our guys, you know, each and every one of them. And and again, um, you know, if, if they walk a run in with the bases loaded, then, you know, again, yeah, we're going to be upset in the moment. But at the same time, you know, we, we know that that kid poured his heart into that pitch and, you know, he didn't make the pitch and he'll make the next one. Right. Coach, what values represent you the most? And what do you try your best to instill upon your players? Well, you know, the one thing I talk about um, and I pride myself on is, is first and foremost, being a gentleman. Um, and, you know, and, and what encompasses being a gentleman? A gentleman is somebody who is kind. Um, a gentleman is somebody who has empathy and compassion. Um, a gentleman is somebody who puts the needs of others first, is respectful and, and polite. Um, you know, uh, we read a book, I, we do a team book with our team every year. And um, this year we did It Takes What It Takes by uh, Trevor Moad. And last year it was, um, it was Brothers Forever. And the year before that, it was A Season of Life. And The Season of a Life uh, was an interesting book because it talked about, um, it's, it was um, written by a football coach from Gilman High School in Baltimore and um, Joe Ehrman. And Joe talked was a was a Baltimore Ravens football player, and well, I guess it wasn't the Ravens then; it was something else. They were the Baltimore Colts, and uh, and uh, so Joe was a Baltimore Colt, and he was a bachelor, and he was the life of the party. You know, after the game on Sunday, the party was always at his house, and the party would go well into Monday, and and then he'd get back to work on Tuesday, and then start the start the cycle back over again. And and then he lost his brother. His brother died of, of cancer and it, and it really changed his life and got him to understand that, you know, he was on a he was on the wrong path and doing things for the wrong reasons. And um, he talks about how in today's society, we send all the wrong messages about what a real man is. You know, and when you're in elementary school, a real man is the guy who's the biggest, strongest and toughest on the playground. And when you're in, you know, when you're in high school, a real man is the is the guy who gets the most girls. And then when you're 30 years old, a real man is the guy that makes the most money or has the most power. Um, and those are all the wrong messages. What a, what a real man should be is he should be kind and he should be emotional and and he should and he should you know wear his heart on his sleeve and be able to cry and all those different things. And and um, he he starts every one of his practices off with his players and he says to his team, he goes. He goes, what's your job? And they say to love each other, coach. And he goes, what's my job to love us, coach? And that's how they start every practice. And I just I just love that message. Um, David Couch, who you may know, was coaching high school baseball. And David was telling me a story. He was having a problem with this kid who was they had already thrown him off the team once. And then they brought him back and the kid just had a terrible home life and they just couldn't get him to, to understand and 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 get on get in line and and David called Joe and was like Joe I got this kid we've thrown him off the team we've done everything we can to try to get him to understand and you know I just don't know what else to do and and, and you know what Joe said to him Joe said David sounds like that kid needs a hug you know and 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 you said it what a powerful message that is and, and you said it earlier when you said these kids come from all different places and we don't know what's going on in their life we don't know if their girlfriend just broke up with them if they got a grandfather who's sick or you know, a mom or a dad who lost their job. I mean, sometimes we, we just don't know. And, you know, to make assumptions um, and to assume that everything's okay um, is, is, you know, is faulty. These kids are 18 to 22 years old and, and they're dealing with a lot of things. And sometimes they're coming from a place that, that we don't quite understand. And it's our job to, to be empathetic and be kind and, and, and try to get underneath and figure out um, how we can help. All I can say is, well, I mean, you just keep uh, keep making me feel speechless and there's just no reason to to try to dig deeper. I mean, you're you're 
you're just blessing so many kids and blessing so many people. And the best thing that I could say from those blessings is who do they get to bless? Who, do, who, do, who what is the knowledge that you bestow on these young men bring into the world years from now that we don't understand because they're then passing it along. You know, what we learn gets, what we teach gets passed on, you know, whether or not we like it or not. And, and I think that you're just teaching young men just the right way to go about being gentlemen, like you said. Well, that, that exercise I talked about when you, you know, when you, you know, when you're driving towards champion, one way to look at that exercise is, is who do you impact? Like if you're a survivor, you don't impact anybody. Right. And if you're a competitor, the only person you really impact is yourself. And if you're a contributor, you impact the team, you know, and if you're a winner, you impact the program. And if you're a champion, you impact everybody you touch every single day, like every single person you touch every single day. Right. You, that's who you impact. And again, that's what we're all driving towards. And, and again, we're not champions every single day of our lives. None of us are. We're human beings and, and we have flaws and we have faults and some days we don't show up, but if we're making a conscious decision to be champions uh, most of the time, then that's a, then that's a huge win. So again, that's what we're all driving towards. And I'm so glad you said it like that as well too, Tom, because you know, it it just needs to be said, none of us are holier than thou. We're all going to make our mistakes. We're all going to have our shortcomings. We're all going to have our transgressions, but it's that roadmap and that, that blueprint that we have that gives us a little bit more foresight to return back. But if we don't have that guidance, even of what we're working towards or those values that we're working behind, it's that much easier to keep slipping for ourselves. So I, I just think it's so awesome that you, you've just given so many, uh, so many beautiful gems of wisdom already. But I wanted to ask well, you when you, one thing I'll add to that is when you give of yourself, what you get in return. And I say this all the time. They're like, Oh man, the kidney donation, what an amazing gift you gave. And I'm like, no, no, no. What I got in return was way more valuable than what I gave. You know, I gave a kidney, but what I've received back from that is a million times more valuable. You know, the stories, the, the part of people's lives that I've, people share their kidney donation stories with me. They email me for advice on those things. I hear from people. I've had people come up to me at the football game in tears. And, you know, so, so point of the matter is, is like what I've gotten back from that gift. I mean, I can't even, I can't even put it into words. That's electric. And exactly. I mean, you got people probably just waiting for the chance to hopefully pass you by and, uh, and, and just share that, that little love that you had no idea that you'd already given them. And that's, that's just so, so profound and got to be a gift that you know, stops you in your tracks, I'm sure at different times. No doubt. I met a woman in Baltimore at this event I was at and she introduced herself to me and just to say, you know, thank you. And what an amazing blah, 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 blah. And she went to John Hopkins. This was in 1969. She went to Johns Hopkins hospital and said, I want to give my kidney. And they said to who? And she said, well, I don't care to who I, I have two and I only need one. I just want to donate it to anybody. And Johns Hopkins was like, you can't do that. And she's like, yes, I can. It's my kidney. And she, she like sued the hospital for the right to give her kidney <laughs> to an anonymous person. And she won and donated that kidney. I mean, this woman, you talk about somebody who's incredible. I mean, she, I mean, that's a game changer right there, brother. That, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's, that's, beyond interesting that somebody deserved that right for themselves but you know what I'm glad they won it is there a time from your past either good or bad that shaped your own values as a human being the most well yeah I mean certainly growing up in Johnstown Pennsylvania I had a great had a great childhood two parents that were loving but two working class parents who you know just it was a steel mill coal mine town you know, most of my, my friends, dads were, were steel mill workers. And, you know, it was just, a, it was a great place to grow up and I just loved my life there. But, but, but the values of hard work and family, you know, Johnstown's got the, historically Johnstown has the highest unemployment rate in the country, but the lowest homeless rate in the country, because everybody's got somebody that'll take you in. And, um, you know, it's, it's just that mindset of Johnstown is they'll give you the shirt off your back off their back. I mean, I, you know, I played for coaches along the way that just cared so deeply about you and they would just do anything for you. And that just instilled in me that, that mindset, you know, guys like Didi Osborne um, and coach Jerashadi in college. I mean, those, that mindset of truly caring about you as a person was instilled in me at a, at a very, very young age. And, and certainly for my parents um, and my grandparents who just supported me um, deeply uh, along the way. Um, and then as I moved through college, you know, you know, I was in Washington, D.C. during 9-11, 
which was an intense time to be there. Um, it taught me so many unbelievable lessons about just perseverance and tenacity and resilience and, and patriotism, uh, among other things. And then going through Hurricane Katrina at the University of New Orleans and, and evacuating the team to New Mexico and living there for seven months and, um, and all the people that helped us along the way to get through that and, and help keep our program together. And, you know, then here at Wake Forest with the, with the kidney donation and all the things that have happened along the way. I mean, it just, sometimes I almost feel like Forrest Gump. It's like, I, I just kind of have been cruising through life and these, these situations just kind of fall into my lap and it's like, okay, let's figure it out. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and I got to tell you, Johnstown, Pennsylvania was, was an awesome experience to be in. And just as you said, they, we, we got a chance to go up there for the triple ABA tournament with the uh, Carolina disco turkeys and people were giving us the shirt off their back in, in hospitality there. It was an awesome experience. Uh, we had, uh, we had uh, uh, one of the host family teams, the coach, we were just talking and it ended up taking us up to the hill where they shoot off the cannon. And uh, so I got to be up there on that perspective and see the game from that view and talk to those people up there. But just walking around that stadium and talking with everybody and, and sharing and just the joy that what that baseball tournament brings to that town, uh, it, it, it made me so excited that it was able to happen because the previous year before was the first time in so long that they didn't get to have it because life has been happening with COVID the way that it has been. And uh, it was just a beautiful experience. And I'm excited as heck to get back there this summer as well, too, because it was a it was a great place. And, and they told us that we got to make sure that we bring uh, more uh, Disco Turkeys gear because we, we, we had a good time up there and they embraced us for sure. So it was they made us feel like the home team for sure, even though we got beat by the home team. You know, we, they made us feel like the home team. Well, that playing in that tournament was one of the reasons I chose baseball, because when you're eight years old and you're going to those games, man, playing in front of 10, 12,000 people, you're like, that's what I want to do. I want to be on the field for that game. So it's like when you're young, that's that's what you dream about. You don't dream about playing in Yankee Stadium, you but you dream about playing in that tournament. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and such a cool place to get to get to have that experience. Tom, what what are the most important values that we all share in common? Um, you know, I think, I think we all are inherently good. I think, I, you know, I, I hate it when coaches today say kids are different. Their kids aren't different. They're not different. They care about the same things. They're, they're motivated differently. Uh, you know, you now kids have to understand why they're doing something. It didn't used to be when I was growing up, your coach said, do something, you did it. And it was my, your parents, if your dad was a Democrat, you were a Democrat. If your dad rooted for the Steelers, you rooted for the Steelers. These kids today are wired differently. They ask why. And I love that about these kids. They challenge you. And But if you get them to believe in what you're doing and you get them to understand why they're doing it, they work just as hard, if not harder than any generation prior. So I hate when coaches say this generation is lazy. They don't want to work. They don't want to get, that's not true. They just have to understand why they're working and, and they have to believe in what they're doing. And if you can get there on that, you'll get the most out of your team and, and, and those players. So again, I think the, the one value we all share is that we're, we all inherently care. We all want to be, we all want to be loved. We all care. We all care about one another. Sometimes we just need to understand why we should do those things. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. Absolutely. Let me ask you this as well. What's your purpose? Um, leave the world a better place. You know, I, I say it, you know, and that's, that's a microcosm and a macrocosm. So when I leave this world, I want to leave an imprint on my kids and, and these players that, that, that they have that mindset of making the world a better place says, you know, if you leave this world better than you found it, you, you, it's a win. And, but it goes to little things like the dugout. Like I tell our team, it's like, when we leave this dugout, it's, it's better than when we got in here. You know what I mean? We're going to pick up every piece of trash and whether I have to do that myself, we're not going to spit sunflower seeds on the ground. We're not going to, you know, hit the bat rack with our helmet or bat after we strike out, you know, it's just all those things are, it's just not who we are and, and what we're going to do. So to me, um, the number one thing is, is affect as many lives as you can make an impact on, on your family first and foremost, stay true to yourself. You, you know, as I would add to that, I mean, I, you know, I talk to our guys all the time about, I'm sure you've done this exercise with your players, Kirk, where you talk about the jar with the big rocks and the pebbles and the sand and the water and, and how you fit those things into the jar. And, 
you got to put the big to fit everything in the jar. You got to put the big rocks in first. And that's what I tell our team. So whatever, whatever your big rocks are, you know, family should be one of those faith obviously should be one of those, um, you know, baseball and academics are hopefully the big four. Um, but the question is if, if those are your big four and you're, and you're serious about that, what kind of time are we spending on those things? We can't say family is important to us and we're not spending time cultivating our relationship. I tell our players all the time, man, text your mother, text your grandmother, call her every now and again. You know that you don't know how much that means to those people just to hear from you every now and again. Say thank you. Say, hey, mom, I wouldn't be at Wake Forest without you. Or, hey, dad, you know, thanks for, you know, driving me to all those baseball games when I was 13 years old, whatever it might be. Again, there's somebody along the way that got you to Wake Forest. And Again, I tell our guys, they, they hear a lot of these things from me, as you can tell. I, I tell them, I'm like, look, you already won the genetic lottery. You already won. <laughs> you're, you're at Wake Forest. You know what I mean? You're at, an ama- you're at a top 25 academic institution and a top 25 baseball program. You've already won the genetic lottery. What are you going to do with it? Right. Like, how are you going to th- take advantage of that opportunity? You've you've been given this opportunity because of, of genetics and where you were born and, and who you were born with. Um, now, what are we going to do with it? So, you know, to me, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. That's awesome. That's a, that's a heck of a purpose. And just exactly like you said, that just make, making the world a better place, leaving it better than the way that we found it for ourselves. I mean, what, what else are we supposed to seek other than just trying to, again, go back to what we share in common, be inherently good. And if you're leaving the world as a, as a better place than the way that you found it, then you're doing good for the world and good for any, anybody else that might be trying to, you know, look towards, look towards the future. Because if you do good, you might be that small piece of positive influence on somebody who's just been surrounded by bad for a little bit too long and recognizes that maybe there is somebody that cares about them, you know, a little bit more, a little bit deep, more deeply than what they've been given in their previous experiences. Well, I've had this conversation with my assistants more than once over the years. I mean, there there have been times where we've had a player that probably should have been thrown off the team. But it's like if we throw him off the team, I know, and he ends up at a junior college and he's not going to graduate, his life has forever changed. Like the, cor- the course of his life has changed. One of the places I loved coaching was University of New Orleans because I got – so many first-generation college students there. And, and with those kids, you had a chance to change the trajectory of a family. You get a kid who's a college graduate for the first time in a family, then that becomes the standard and the norm for the next generation and the generation after that. And it changes the, the, the course of a family's destiny for, for hundreds of years. And to me, that's, that's what it's about. That's what's powerful. Um, and you know, at Wake, you know, these kids, you know, we get very few first gen college students here, but, but you're, you know, now we're fighting a different challenge. You know, we're getting these kids to, again, understand that life of service over self and, and giving of themselves. And, and, um, you know, not that they're not already doing that in their schools and and their hometowns, because a lot of these kids are, but we can, we can hopefully help make that better, make it a bigger priority. That's, that's, golden and and you know I, I know i've asked you a lot of questions at this point and i want to give a chance to everybody here in the zoom uh if if you have a question that you might want to ask give me just a second start pondering it on yourself and then i'm going to open it up to you guys to ask coach uh, walter here a, a couple of questions if you choose but uh before we get into that i wanted to uh you know make an actionable request to you guys you know just a, something small this week for yourself something to ponder Maybe it's something you needed to hear. Maybe it's something that you needed to do. But just this week, I want you to take three things, three things that you can control within yourself that'll build upon the ethics and values that you hold true to yourself and and do these things every day this week and see if it can build some momentum into next week. And if those things help you every day, take it into the next week and beyond. You know, feel free to share those things with me in a a tweet or a DM or an email, whatever you'd like. You know, I'd love to support you in any way that I can. And if I can uh, recommend a, a book request for this week, it'd be uh, The Compound Effect by uh, Darren Hardy. Um, it, it, I, I believe that a lot of this stuff is about consistency. We, we feel these things. We, we believe these things. We enjoy these things that we're building upon. But it's too easy to break the cycle and start to get into your own head. But it's way easier to do day 16 after you've done 15 in a row than it is to get started from zero for yourself. So uh, just 
take the time for yourself to really start putting that intentional focus on the couple of things that you can truly control and build some positive momentum. Because believe me, from my own experiences now with trying to do this stuff, guys, it's going to lead to the fourth thing that you add on, the fifth thing that you add in. But it's a lot harder to add on new things that are going to better yourself when you're not doing anything that's in line with who you believe that you're supposed to be. So, uh, you know, at this time, guys, uh, if you've got a couple of questions for coach, while uh, we're still within our time, um, you know, feel free to go ahead and take yourself off of uh, mute and, and ask away. I guess I'll jump in. Uh, first of all, thank you, Kurt. And um, thank you, Coach Walter, for taking the time out. I can't imagine how busy your schedule is. Um, so I, I really, really appreciate that. I guess a question that I would want to ask, uh, knowing everything you know now, uh, being uh, around baseball for as long as you've been, uh, seeing and hearing and learning everything that you have, what are some uh, powerful takeaways that you can give to a young uh, head coach starting out? Yeah, uh, thanks for the question. Um, I appreciate it. Um, first and foremost, you know, find mentors and people you know, I, one of the mistakes I made early in my career is I, I didn't really have a mentor. I wasn't working in college baseball when I got my first head coaching job and I didn't really, you know, have a, you know, a, spend time as an assistant working underneath somebody as much as I should have. So I didn't, I never really had that mentor. So first and foremost, find a mentor that you can lean on in situations and, and talk to regularly, you know, once a week, get on the phone with that person and Again, sometimes you're not you're not talking about anything specific. You're just talking about the team or life or whatever. But, you know, lean on that person throughout your career and then become a mentor for somebody else um, down the line. And then number two is, um, you know, invest in getting to know who your players are. Um, you know, to me that those relationships, you know, truly caring about them and, and them, you know, that that serves you the best when they know that you've got their back. And you've got their best interest at heart, right? Um, and it's not about you, but it's about them. And it's about the team, you know, just sending that message consistently to Kirk's point about consistency. Um, you know, I think once your players get to understand that and they, and they get on the other side of that and they know in their hearts that you believe in them, then you can ask them to do anything and they'll go to war for it. Cordero, thank you so much for asking that question, man. And I, I know that the young men under your tutelage at, uh, in your program are, are lucky to have you. And, and especially being that you man, you got them at the prime spot. You know, I know other people might overlook uh, different ages, but I think middle school is a prime time to be able to get them geared and ready. And, and I think that young men are becoming more aware of being good young men, even earlier in life as we're growing as a society and developing they're given so much information, way more than we probably ever had, that they're forced to, to start kicking the wheels of their mind and making positive decisions that have ramifications on their, their future. And that doesn't mean don't enjoy your youth. It just means be self-aware that the, the decisions that you make affect others. And it goes back to what Coach Walter was saying is, how do you treat the people that you know, don't necessarily impact your life. It makes all the difference. And uh, I, I think that's awesome. So I appreciate you asking that question. Definitely. Uh, does well, anybody? Yeah, well, I'll add one more thing to that too. Try to find something to do with them outside of baseball. Like I took the team ax throwing, you know, or, or, you know, or we went to Washington DC this fall, which I know is maybe impossible, but, <laughs> and, and it was in the fall, we played one game against Georgetown, but it was, you know, it was mostly about, seeing Arlington Cemetery and the Holocaust Museum. We went to the Naval Academy and, and just that time together, you know, away from baseball where you're not just kind of like the pressure of the game. Like if you can find the, the time and the, and, the, and the resources, maybe get some parents to contribute whatever to get your team out of season together to do something, even if it's something simple like going roller skating or going on a hike or whatever, like that time is, is gold. It's invaluable um, as far as building culture and, and building team bonding. I'll, I'll add on to that just because it, it was brought up. So currently um, I have that. It's, it's a baseball free zone where my kids are not allowed to speak about baseball at all. So last year we went bowling and I told them if they talked about baseball, they're going home. Um, <laughs> and, then I, and then like um, I have some college coaches that have talked to them via Zoom. And things like that. And I just try to, I guess, instill in values to them that baseball teaches you. Um, 
that you can take with life and um, how you apply those skills that you learn in baseball and apply them to life. And I, and I wrote down your, um, what you said about the first couple minutes of practice and just really getting them mentally focused to be able to accomplish more in practice. Are there any other things that you can add on um, that maybe I'm not doing that I could probably implement um, that instills kind of those values um, that they can Uh, take out baseball? Yeah, one of the things that happened with our team that was really cool is the players started to lead some of those meetings. So, you know, go to one of your seniors um, and and say to them, hey, you know, after you've done five, six, eight, ten, whatever these, you know, again, go to one of your seniors and say, hey, why don't you lead one of these? Um, Why don't you, you know, pick a topic? I don't care what it is. You know, we had a player, Will Ray, that talked about dealing with adversity and it was electric and it's always, you know, means a ton more when it's coming from one of your guys. So, you know, if you can get your players to lead those occasionally, you know, it makes a, it makes a huge impact. Thank you so much. Thank you for the questions. Anybody else got anything that you'd uh, like to ask coach? Hey coach, it's AJ, AJ Lewis. Hey, Mr. Lewis. Um, good stuff so far. I've, uh, I've seen a lot of the transition within my own son over the last you know, several months. And my biggest question for you is how do you take kids from obviously all different kinds of backgrounds and bring them all into the same culture? Um, you know, we always talk about culture within a program and how that's important. Do you think that that culture is player driven or coach driven or a combination of both? Again, I, I think the best cultures are always player led. Um, you know, we talk about being player led versus coach fed. That's one of the terms we use. Again, this is their team and their culture. And at the end of the day, you know, it's them in the dorm rooms, it's them in the hotels, it's them on the field fighting for each other, you know, for us. And it's, you know, quite honestly, it's very similar to getting the game. What we want to do as coaches is give them the tools and the resources. I tell recruits, I'm sure I told, you know, Zach this when we recruited him and, and you guys, you know, it's our, it's our job as coaches and parents to give our kids three things. We give them information, resources, and opportunity. And then what they do with those three things is, is at the end of the day, up to them. Um, you know, and it's about them, the intention they put into it, the work they put into it, the heart with which they approach it. Um, so for us, you know, it's just about, you know, us being the guardrails and, and letting them take over the team. And, um, and again, you know, being intentional about developing leaders. You know, it's, I think it's something that quite honestly, for a couple of years, I took for granted, you know, we were so successful, like in 16 and 17. And, and then coming out of those teams, I just thought that that good culture and that good leadership would would continue. And, and quite honestly, it didn't. Um, and it took it took a little while to get that back. So once culture goes sideways and, and leadership disappears, it, it can set you back a year or two. So you've just got to continually be be intentional and consistent with developing leaders and instilling that culture. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and especially about the intention and and how would it, how would we not kind of just like you said, Tom, almost think that, oh, we we're there now. Now that's just an expectation and this is going to happen. But if, if the players aren't the ones that then continue buying into that or establishing it, then yeah, there's going to be a, a drop off in, in that leadership. And I'm sure from your own perspective, uh, it had to be interesting to, to see that and feel it in, in the same sense as well too, of where, you know, you had to start putting that much more focus back into bringing that out of the group again. Yeah, and I would add to that. I mean, the one thing I learned the hard way is you, you just got to draw those clear and firm lines. And, you know, it's because it's easy to, to make deals with yourself. It's easy to, to, you know, in the moment, in the heat of battle to, to you know, kind of hedge on those things. And, um, you know, that's the hardest thing about being the coach is, you know, that constant balance between, you know, hey, we're trying to win and, and hey, we're trying to develop men and hey, what's best for this individual guy? Um, you know, it, it's hard. I mean, it's a it's a juggling act for sure. That's awesome. Uh, I, I wanted to open it back back up again for, you know, a couple of other questions. And if not, guys, we're going to we're going to get towards uh, wrapping things up for ourselves so we can make sure that we're continuing to be respectful of Coach Walter's time uh, and making himself available, uh, you know, for us all here. But you've dropped an, an abundance of, of wisdom on us definitely. And 
it, it doesn't look like we got anybody else that's going to ask a question. So coach Walter, if you had anything else, uh, you know, you wanted to, to leave us with, um, you know, I, I'd appreciate it. And if not, then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take us on out. No, thanks for having me on this. This, this is a great group you have here and a good thing you've got going. So thanks for all you're doing for our game and, and for everybody who's on this call, obviously you're taking an hour out of your night on a Sunday, um, to be here. And, um, you know, that means, that means everything. So, um, keep fighting the good fight and thanks for, for all you do. I appreciate that, Tom, most definitely. And, and I wouldn't be able to do anything that I'm doing unless I had the support of people like yourself. And that's been the most profound part of this for myself is, is seeing how, how much uh, support has been given, how much, uh, you know, people are willing to, to reach down and help me, uh, you know, lift others up as well too. But uh, I'm learning just as much as everybody on this call. But more more than anything, you know, I, I don't have all the answers. I feel like I'm I've got something placed on my heart that's giving me some good guidance, but I'm trying to learn just the same. I'm failing just the same as as some of these other guys that are on the call or don't know where their direction might be. But ultimately, I'm trying to do better day by day for myself. So I appreciate the kind words uh, that, that you have to share. And this has been uh, a, a, such an enjoyable call. And uh, I, I wanted to leave us with, um, you know, a small quote, uh, you know, fittingly from Martin Luther King with MLK Day being uh, tomorrow, and it wasn't necessarily even on purpose. But, you know, the first principle of value that we need to rediscover is this, that all reality hinges on moral foundations. In other words, that this is a moral universe, and that there are moral laws of the universe just as abiding as the physical laws. Martin Luther King Jr. Guys, I appreciate everybody that's taken the time to be with us here today. Uh, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful that anybody would give me the time of day to be able to try to be a positive encourager. And I genuinely mean it when I say, feel free to reach out to me with anything that I could do to be of service to you, because I'd like to help on your journey, even if it's the smallest of ways. And as Coach Walter had said in the beginning as well, too, guys, this is all for one person. If this makes a difference in one person's life, if this makes a difference in half of a person's life, that's enough for myself to feel like I need to keep going and keep spreading light and positive energy throughout our universe. So appreciate it again, uh, Coach Walter, for being with us. Appreciate everybody that had some questions to ask. And uh, we'll see us next week. Have a great one. Go have, a, have an awesome week. Thank you, everybody, for your time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Kirk. Take care.